The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. Seven minutes after eight, welcome to the Forum at 8 here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It is Good Friday and it is appropriate for us to look at the issues surrounding faith, religion, Christianity in particular. Remember that the, this Easter weekend, this Easter season, um, is ostensibly is the cornerstone of Christianity. Now, but Christianity as uh, responding to some of the social issues that we have in this country, Christianity as being relevant to some of the issues that are raised uh, by people uh, in particular South Africa, Africa and uh, the world over. Let me welcome our guest on the program this morning. I'm going to start with uh, Bishop Paul Verane. Uh, a very good morning to you, Bishop. Nice seeing you. Good morning. Thank you very much for your time. Also here with me in the studio, Aidan Inyal, Director of Tequa. Is it called Tequa? Tequa is Harmony Institute. That's a, a French, French uh, word, isn't it? Um, originally, yes, I think. Uh. Um, but the institute was formed by some Turkish people. Oh, okay. So it resembles a little bit of that. Okay. Yeah. What does it do? What, 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 what do you do? Uh, the institute it focuses on dialogue in general. Mm-hmm. And interfaith dialogue is, is part of it. But it focuses on social cohesion, dialogue, and fostering relations between people of different backgrounds. Okay. And that's basically what we do. Fantastic. And it's quite interesting. Uh, by, okay. Uh, on the other line, by the way, let me just quickly introduce my other guest. Professor Tinigo Malulega, good morning. Morning, morning to Alani and morning to your listeners. And, and congratulations on your appointment. Guest. Congratulations on your appointment. So yesterday, uh, uh, Deputy Vice-Chancellor of the University of Johannesburg, right? Yes, thank you very much, uh, Kolani. Yeah. Congratulations that's, that's indeed. Congratulations I'm excited. Indeed. I'm looking forward <laughs> to, to joining that uh, great university. Uh, fabulous. Fantastic. Let me start with uh, 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 Bishop Brain because I, was just, I just mentioned the issues around the French. And, and a little earlier on, before we started the program, I was talking about um, uh, the, the election of the bishop. And there was a documentary about the state of Christianity in the West. And they went to France in particular, looked at France. And I, I visited France about a year or so ago. And if you go to France, you go to the churches, and they're becoming museums. They're becoming tourist attractions. Uh, the conclusion is that there is a decline in Christianity in the West, as opposed perhaps to Africa. And the, the big question is, why would that be so? What is the relevance of Christianity? Why is the West not as Christian anymore? I wonder whether to some extent the, the institutionalized church seems to have lost contact in actual fact with the world. And its form mm-hmm. is meaningless particularly, I think, to young people. That's very interesting. Just explain that a little bit more. Why would it be meaningless? I mean, Christianity is supposed to be... Uh, uh, but wh- why? Why would you conclude the meaninglessness? I suppose because the liturgies don't connect with the issues that people have to struggle with each day, like some people struggling with HIV, AIDS, sexuality, poverty, the whole range of stuff. Mm. And and so to some extent the formalization of religion as almost separate from life makes it irrelevant. It's interesting though because uh, again the argument with the election of the Pope was that the church is growing a lot more in Africa and in Latin America. Why would then Africans uh, still find the relevance in religion and in Christianity in particular? I think that's quite uh, a a huge research question, Mm. if I may say so. But I should imagine that the church still provides in Africa 
some kind of sense of impact on people's everyday life. Mm. Gives to some people meaning. Um, I mean, Karl Marx said that uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. Mm. And it, in my opinion, if the church sort of provides a drug for the avoidance of pain, then it's obviously still going to remain very relevant to people who are struggling to find some kind of meaning in life, particularly when their economic situation seems to suggest that this is just a humdrum waste of time. I'm going to come back to that. Those are very important things that you just mentioned. But, Professor Marulega, I spoke to you uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the growth of the Pentecostal or charismatic churches uh, in, in Africa. And one of the, the, the quotations that you made for me is that somebody said it's a fast food religion. Why, why would it grow at that level when elsewhere it is seen to be irrelevant? Yeah, Tolani, I think I think uh, Bishop Paul Verin has woken up on his Marxist uh, <laughs> uh, leg today. <laughs> um, look, I, I I think I think uh, I agree broadly with uh, with with uh, what uh, Paul has said uh, so far. Um, but I think I think we must be careful not to not to generalize that religion is dead in Europe and religion is alive in Africa, and that the religion that is alive in Africa is, uh, is, the, is of the opiate type, uh, and that the religion that is dead in Europe is of the Christendom uh, expired uh, type, as it were, mm-hmm. because the picture is slightly more complex than that. I mean, there is a lot of... Uh, uh, churches in Europe uh, and America, which are which are uh, thriving, uh, and that that is not to say that you don't have the problems of uh, uh, the disconnected youth and the alienated uh, 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 citizenry who who no longer see uh, the relevance of of religion in their lives, and that is a is a global phenomenon. Now. I think we're talking about a drug, religion being a drug. I think what we need to understand is that while a drug may may uh, obviate pain, uh, it can also uh, give you uh, a temporary strength to do a lot of good things uh, uh, also. And, and I think that with the growth of Pentecostalism in, in the South, in Africa and in Latin America, uh, means many things, and one of them is that uh, I mean, there's a spirit of entrepreneurship going on there. It's young people uh, who are trying to make ends meet, and I'm talking about all ends, not just material ends, mm. uh, spiritual ends, emotional ends, trying to make sense of who they are in this fast-changing world, and they find that they are able to find resources. Uh, uh, in these churches, uh, and, 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 and there is a business uh, side to it. Uh, aspirations also uh, for business are there. And also people who are powerless everywhere else in society find a little space where they can generate a sense of agency and a sense of self-affirmation. Uh, so I'm saying without denying all the negatives, uh, there the, the, the are also creative things going on there because these are desperate times uh, uh, for people uh, if you look at the 
socio-economic situation. Very interesting. Again, let me come back to the bishop. Bishop, the business side of the Pentecostal churches, how does the traditional church uh, look at that? Does it frown? The entrepreneurial element in this. Absolutely. Let me give you an illustration. Mm. Um, At Central Methodist, for instance, as you know, we've opened that church to be able to house Uh, desperate, particularly refugees, but not just refugees. And one of the critical issues there is to be able to connect faith with empowerment. And so in actual fact we're involved in educating, we're involved in providing skills for people to launch them, as it were, into life. And, And so the church then constantly has to engage with what makes for relevant economic growth. And, and, and maybe to also just to say to you, you know, at some level, the, 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 the philosophical issue of death and life mm. is, is an interesting one. Because although in some places it's just formulas that get, you know, that people go through, in many, in many, many, many churches, there's a far deeper engagement with their relationship with God and relating God to uh, actually a very creative world. Mm. You know, for you, uh, uh, Aidin, I would like to bring you in where Professor Malulegi is talking about young people trying to find their place in this ever-changing, in this uh, ever-moving society of ours. Um, uh, Are they finding a place, in your view? Is, uh, Is the dialogue taking place in which then young people need to find themselves? I think the young people, uh, they are to a certain extent um, the target of the new uh, developments, especially in the science and technology fields, and also in terms of uh, all the rapid changes in the world. They are the uh, greatest victims, if I can say it, uh, put it that way, because they are being targeted uh, to market the products, to... Uh, uh, they are the first people to experience the new things that our time is bringing in. But I think um, the youth is searching for some kind of relief. Because uh, the, this material pressure that comes onto the people, it is, it's far too great than a person can handle. Because it, it's, it's all about, even when you, when you start uh, from the young school age, it's always the focus is on the material things. You have to be successful, you have to go to school, you have to uh, be successful in school because you need to get a job, because you need to have money, because you need to have this and that. And this is, I think, for, for the human soul, it is far too great to handle. And therefore, uh, the in general humans, but specifically the youth, uh, really need that uh, remedy, that, that relief, which will tell them that the life is not just about what you're looking for because mm. uh, there's only a number of people who can earn a certain amount or who can have certain things mm. and therefore I think religion brings in a balance because mm. uh, religion in essence doesn't only deal with uh, this life it gives you a holistic picture of uh, the absolute happiness abs- the sense of absolute justice for mm. example where you don't only seek justice in this world or happiness in this world you put the entire thing together uh, of, of both this side and the and, and the other world, and therefore uh, I think the youth is searching for it, and it is finding. When you know how to approach the youth, that's also important. I think mm-hmm. uh, we need to know how to approach the youth of today. We cannot use uh, the methods of a decade or two ago. 
minds are changing. They are they know much more than their parents today. Hmm. And therefore, we can't keep uh, preaching the same message and same things over and over. Hmm. If you know how to approach, if you know how to put things forward, and I think there is a great awareness. Youth today is very aware of the issues. And they do manage to mobilize themselves. They form associations. They form different uh, groupings. And they do get involved. Hmm. Right. I'm going to open the lines uh, on 0891104208. Find out what people think about this. 0891104208. But again, I suppose, uh, Professor Maduleka, the issue is where the young people then are finding that simple message that they are looking for uh, in, in, in the churches today, where the churches are able to respond to that need for that simple message. Yeah, I think some of them are finding it, but I think the vast majority are probably not finding it, which is why they are setting up their own churches in many cases. I mean, many of the so-called Pentecostal churches are started by young people and and led by them. Uh, Because I think he was talking about approaching young people. One of the things that young people seem to want is to participate. I mean, they're they're not content to be spectators, you know, anymore to sit down in some pew and watch uh, an old man uh, reciting uh, stuff in, in Latin or in, or in Italian. Uh, they, they want to be in on the act. They want to move things. They want to, to sing. They want to play instruments. They want to uh, initiate projects. And, and, and I think you will, you will find that those churches that give them space for self-expression uh, and exploration uh, will, 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 will be the, the, the types of churches that attract them. But will they, and again for you, Professor, will these churches, new Pentecostal churches, be in a position to respond to socio-economic issues? We talk about poverty, inequality in societies, uh, in, in our society in particular. Are they able to respond to those challenges? Well, you know, the question is not just for Pentecostal churches. It's, uh, that question is for all churches. Uh, you know, because all churches have to deal with the reality uh, that uh, young people, old people uh, find themselves in. Uh, you know, there are there are several models uh, out there that churches have, have attempted. I mean, apartheid was a, was a particular Christian Christian South Africa of apartheid times was a particular uh, model. The way the World Council of Churches has, for example. Uh, uh, tried to deal with issues of of of, of racism and uh, and uh, and oppression in, in in various countries is is another model. You, you've got uh, models in Europe where uh, citizens are re- required, if you like, to to donate uh, part of their tax uh, to churches so that churches can be empowered to to do a lot of what you would in other countries called social work. Uh, it, it's, it's done mainly via uh, via the churches. Mm. So I, I think I think the question you are asking, we must not just limit it to the Pentecostals. Certainly. We must ask it across the board uh, as to how churches can leverage some of their traditional ways and and jack them up, uh, throw them out if necessary. Uh, ways of um, of of dealing with socio economic issues and assisting 
members and citizens to deal with those issues. And that's a question for you, Bishop. But before you answer it, I would like you to answer it with this uh, email as well, uh, also in mind from Opa Tasanyan in Sabokeng, who says, In my view, Christianity has been highly commercialized through this. Uh, present pastors, uh, fashionable church names and traditions, so the real gospel word seems to be replaced by celebrity pastors. Um, what would you say to this email and also the question that's being raised by the professor? Yeah, I think that um, the uh, it is true to some degree uh, certain churches have made a name for themselves by commercializing themselves. Um, you know, the church is not a monolithic structure by any matter of means. Um, there, there are churches that function in profoundly meditative and you, you could hear from the professor's description a whole variety of ways. So there are some churches that operate, for instance, as counseling centers. And the work that they do, for instance, on grief, on divorce, on rape, on that kind of stuff, mm. gives an energy and a meaning to the people that come to that church. In some churches, uh, you have artistic formation. And in every dimension, from the actual drawing and painting and music and right across the entire board. So the church, to some degree, uh, I think, listens, needs to listen to the community in which it exists. And from that community, begin to start emerging as a dynamic principle. I don't necessarily think that an assessment of numbers is always a sign of life or effectiveness. But why would there be numbers uh, unless there is life inside the church? Why would, uh, why would you have a flock coming downtown Johannesburg? Well, I, I suppose to some degree the, the culture that, that comes to, let's say, the downtown church where on a Sunday morning we might well have over a thousand worshippers mm. at the 10 o'clock service um, in, I think that one of the, the great attractions, quite frankly, is um, not so much the preaching as the, the, the music, the sense of connection, the sense of friendship, the sense of belonging, um, and then obviously through the various organizations within in the church, a sense of being able to participate and make a meaningful contribution. All right. I'm going to come to you in a minute. I've got a lot of calls. Let me just take a, a couple. Uh, if you could just please put on your headphones here. Let's start with... Um, Eddie in Fixburg is the first one to call this morning. Eddie, good morning. Hey, Kolani, you and the listeners and your panel. I really like what Professor said, and I want to say this, sir. Mm-hmm. Listen carefully. Yeah. When Eve went wrong, Adam denied his very nature and went passive. You see what's happened to Christianity? It's gone passive. I love going to church, Kolani. It is beautiful, and I sing, and I enjoy it. All of a sudden, my minister says, no, you mustn't fight for Tatani. You mustn't fight for water. It's not your problem. Farmers are being murdered. We can't be passive in a time of crisis. Listen to this. We won't rise. We won't fight. We won't save the world. We're just waiting for Jesus to come. We may not be passive. We've got to be active for the world. Mm. Christ doesn't say to you how much money you've got in the bank. He says, did you feed the hungry? Did you clothe the naked? How do you feed the hungry, sir? Create work. How do you create work? Do this, do this. But we've got to be up there. Active citizens. Stop treating the symptom. Treat the cause. I, I totally agree with Eddie, by the way, Bishop. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. He's on the money. Christianity is going passive in certain respects. You can't just sit and allow poverty, not just poverty, discrimination, and a whole lot of issues, social ills happening in your community. Well, let me say that one of the things that's made us sensitive in this country is that the church mustn't be necessarily associated with a political party. But that does not mean that the church is apolitical. In actual fact, the church, in my humble opinion, has to express a very definite opinion about, for instance, injustice, Mm. about xenophobia, about rape. Mm. And it's as the church engages what the living experience of people is that it begins to, I think, experience life. Not always popularity, Mm. but life. Right, let me take this other call before I get my other guests. Uh, Is it Cliss in Durban? Hello, Cliss. Good morning. Hi. Um, I think the the primary start uh, for Christianity uh, lies in the fact of the redemption of Jesus Christ, which began at Easter. And um, everything else flows from that. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a redeemed heart, then you have a carnal heart or a worldly heart, a fleshly heart. And that fleshly heart is self-seeking, uh, and uh, is, uh, is centered on self. And so Easter is about sacrifice. Easter is about committing your life to Christ and understanding the redemptive quality of Christ. Now, I've heard very little of that this morning. And I think that from that sacrifice flows the good works, flows the concern for the poor, flows the the other concerns, the social ills and the problems of the world. But unless you have that redemptive heart at at the very heart of the church, then you miss the point of Christianity altogether. And it's no use talking about good works and good this and good that and and criticizing other people who uh, are doing the job. If you yourself are concerned simply about social issues without the redemptive heart. And um, and, and that, that, to me, is the, the heart of Christianity, that Christ came to redeem the world okay. in order for us to reach out to our fellow man and right. to touch him and to restore him and to uplift him. And Christianity preached in the true fashion immediately, elevates the, the society in which it is based. All right, it please. becomes the salt of that earth. All right. I really thank you very much for your input here. Uh, let me just uh, take a quick comment then uh, uh, from uh, Professor Malulega. Do you want to just briefly respond to the two callers before I take the headlines? Well, yeah, I, I take the point about uh, the importance of uh, redemption and the importance of core uh, Christian values of repentance and and, and faith, uh, and, and, and I am assuming that, uh, that uh, that is behind uh, Christian activism. Uh, I don't think uh, you, could, you could conceive of Christian activism uh, outside of, of belief in, 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 in Christianity. So I, I, I don't think that, uh, that that's an issue. The fact that we have not been uh, using phrases like born again and uh, repented and so on doesn't mean that we we don't uh, recognize how important uh, those are. And and the question of uh, not being passive, uh, a church that is not passive, I think that's, that's a very important point that one caller was making. Yeah. You know, today in the morning, yes, today in the morning in Durban, 
the Diaconia uh, uh, organization called Diaconia was marching through the streets of Devon. Uh, bishops, leaders, NGO leaders, all carrying crosses to symbolize uh, the meaning of this day. And they ended up in the morning with a, with a, with a church service uh, where uh, I think Professor Sarojini Neda uh, was preaching. And that again becomes very important because uh, it's, 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 it's a combination of witnessing in the symbols of your faith, but not stopping there, going on to do in society that which you claim to believe in. And I think that is the, the core of, uh, of, of, of being prophetic as churches and as Christians. Right, let me do this, uh, gentlemen. Let me take uh, uh, the news headlines now at 8.30. When I come back, more comments from yourselves, but also I see a lot of SMSs have come through at 34701. Email me as well at guala.co.za. I'll take calls at uh, 0891104428. William, please just stand by. Uh, I'll take the news headlines with Karabo and then more coming through in a, in a short while. The Forum at 8 with Kolani Guala. And uh, my guest on the program this morning, Bishop Paul Verain and Professor Tinyugo Malulega, who's the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of uh, the University of Johannesburg, of course, starts next week. Aidin Inyal, Director of uh, Tukwa's Harmony Institute, uh, who is bringing it down then to the issues of social cohesion and how uh, religion assists, Christianity in particular assists in this regard. I'll be taking your calls. Let me look at the SMSs. I'm going to come back to you gentlemen in a minute. Uh, some of the SMSs that have come through here. Um, Fano Ngobo in Cape Town says, I find the multiplicity and growth there of indigenous African religions and churches, a fresh reality to contend with in pre- and post-South Africa. That's Fanon Nobo in Cape Town. Another one says that today's Bafundisi have become pastorpreneurs. They serve their own interests, not what they claim to stand for. That's Kosima Klatuga on SMS. Anthony says people have lost faith in institutions of government and banks and are rediscovering a direct faith in God in action, as did St. Francis. Another one from Spio in KZN says some churches are Working against the progressive society we seek to build, patriarchy and male chauvinism are what makes the churches thrive. That's according to Spio and KZN. Um, another one says, if Christ was destined to die for the sins of humanity, why did he utter the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, it doesn't make sense. That's aches in Johannesburg. Uh, somebody says, what does the Bible say about issues of rape? Stay in KZN says, has anyone noticed that religion is taken seriously by blacks, whereas whites brought Christianity? Look now who is flocking to churches. That's a view from uh, Stay in KZN. Uh, the Westerners have access to information, and as they read more, they realize that the real truth about the sources of this Abrahamic religion, uh, unlike us uh, who do not read, that's according to Joe Bramley. South Africa, uh, in fact, Christianity is a way of life in South Africa and not religion. Religion doesn't have Christ in it, that's according to James. Let me take some calls. William in the Western Cape, thank you for holding for me. Hello. Good morning to you, Kalani. Hi, William. Thank you, my child. It's a pleasure to hold on and listen to what is being said. Sure. However, I, as an atheist, want to tell you that the decline in the church membership and declining Christianity and belief is nothing more than what has happened to all religions over time. We no longer worship the Norse gods. We no longer worship the Greek gods. Uh, they, it took a long time for their religions to die out, but they died out. And I think one of the other reasons being is that people are better educated today. We're not going to believe in a fairy story. All right. You know, very William. little to support it. And then, of course, we've got to look at the fact that, unfortunately, 
religion is one of those matters that causes division and divisive behavior amongst people. Just look at all the social upheaval and killing that takes place in the name of religion throughout the world and through all religions. All right. Uh, William, don't put the phone down. Uh, let me ask the bishop, the minister of religion, to, to respond to William. Yeah. I actually think that our faith is very often grounded in our disbelief. What does that mean? That means that it's as we struggle with the things that seem to be meaningless that very often we discover the meaning as we begin to start interpreting it from a bigger Mm. framework, the framework of God. Um, I think it's true to say that certain uh, features of religion have been responsible for a huge amount of conflict. Uh, you can't be a minister in a church without realizing that uh, there, is, there are all sorts of vested interests and so on. But to throw the baby and the bathwater out of the window, uh, I think, is, is to some degree obviously a mistake. Um, I, I actually happen to think as well that as much as much damage has been done by Christianity, there is also a huge gift of hope and sanity that has come to humanity through people's faith, through following specific areas of pursuing justice, standing up. For instance, at the present moment, the church is very, very conscious of one of what, what are the, one of the callers has spoken about, which is the issue of rape, mm. and enabling people to understand their sexuality and the way in which their relationships must form the foundation for that engagement. And that when somebody says no, it's not maybe, it is no. And that the violation of a person uh, sexually is, in a sense, the murder of a human being, and then forcing them to carry on living, if you know what I mean. William, isn't the, the uh, input by, by the bishop convincing enough? The, the bishop relies for his income and his living upon a belief that I reject. We can be very nice people. I, too, am concerned about rape. I, too, have um, daughters and granddaughters and I, too, am concerned about social behavior. People who do not believe in God are not necessarily murderers, rapists, thugs, and unconcerned about their, the state of their fellow human beings. Okay. I, too, belong to service organizations and do charitable work. My problem is that if I openly say I do not believe in a God, then, of course, I'm immediately branded as a terrible person and somebody that is going to carry out crime, rape their daughters and steal them, their money and chase their wives out of the house. Time All right, before. William. All right, William. I'm afraid that the time for Christianity and other religions is over. It is a time for people to realize that they are in charge and they make the decisions. And the William, decisions in the Western Cape, thank you. Th- thank you. Thank Aiden, you. Aiden, you're going to come in in a minute, uh, but do you want, is there something else that you would like to tell William? Yes, I certainly don't imply that atheists are rapists and out of order. I also try to express that the church has people who struggle and who fail 
and who are broken and who are sinners and who are rapists. Those things happen in the church. The church is no different to society. But what the church holds on to is the centrality, particularly at this time, as we remember the centrality of the example that Christ's life gives to us. Aidan, do you want to come in? Um, I think there was one important uh, point and something that uh, keeps coming up in our discussions when we focus on dialogue. Mm. It's the issue of um, religions causing conflict and yeah. religions being behind the almost uh, all of the conflicts in yeah. the world. Um, however, our position is that uh, it, it's uh, too simplistic to blame the faith uh, uh, for all these conflicts. Like uh, the bishop has mentioned, um, there are a lot of vested interests. There are, lot, uh, there are many other issues. There are politics within the religious communities. Because uh, we spoke about the institu- institutionalizing religion earlier. If, if there is an institution somewhere, there will be politics. There will be power struggles. There will be uh, interests. And therefore, if the people are not uh, sensitive enough to the issues or the, or the essence of the faith, hmm. then the, uh, all these politics will dominate the discussions and the affairs of the religious community, which might then uh, result in certain conflicts. But I think it's, it's far too simplistic to say that um, the religions are causing conflicts. And if you look at the uh, on a global scale or the conflict areas, it's not necessarily people are pious and they're fighting. It's it's uh, they're fighting for many other reasons. There's poverty. There's people are uh, there's no justice. People are fighting for that. And when there's no justice, uh, they, uh, p- some people use faith or religion to motivate people to take up the fight for justice. And some other people, unfortunately, they abuse and hijack the faith and religions to 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 get people fight their own interests. And they, there is nothing in, um, in, in this global terrorism especially. There is nothing good for any faith in, in, in those acts. Mm. But unfortunately, religion is being used for it, uh, and wrongly. And if you look at it in numbers, actually, they, they, they minority. They are very few, but unfortunately, the, the noise that they make is, mm. is, is far too greater than the masses. Sure. Prof, I'm going to come to you in a minute. Faisal, uh, good morning to you. Hello. Hello, Tulami. Hi, Faisal Mayfair. Hi. Hi, Tulami. Tulami, you look... Uh, to me, I know faith, faith is an emotion, and like all emotions, one man's meat is another man's poison. And you know, to, uh, you know, to suggest that uh, uh, the faith can, uh, can all come together in a conciliation and in a peaceful manner is contradictory. Because I mean, the faiths are, are based on dogma that are violently opposed opposed to each other. I mean, a good, a good story, for example, in Iraq, where, for example, neighbors have been uh, uh, Shiite and Sunni neighbors have been living together. For, for, for years and years, we see together. But when we had a religious conflict, the very neighbor who was, who was friends with the other neighbor took out a, uh, a, a gun and shot the entire family. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's the problem with, uh, with, with religious sites. I mean, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a violent uh, manner to, 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 kill, to kill each other. That's Faisal in Mayfair. Professor, do you want to respond? Prof, well, I, I think I think maybe yes. Tolani, uh, hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Go ahead, please. Yes, yeah. Look, I think in many ways, uh, the, my my colleagues have already responded to the issues that Hazel and others are, are raising. Uh, the the problem is human beings. It's not so much religion. And I think we must remember we're talking about human beings. Human beings who are competing for resources. Human beings who are 
uh, weak and, and therefore prone to uh, to do things uh, that are wrong. Human beings who are corrupt, who are violent, not just among one another, but also violent against the earth, the environment, uh, destroying it. And, and, and we must not for a moment think, uh, try to use religion as an excuse for all of these things uh, that human beings are involved in. And, in, 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 in and, and we have to tackle them. Now, if a person is an atheist and they say that you, I am an atheist and you have no right to, to be a religious person, that is as bad as a religious person saying, I am religious and you have no right to be an atheist. Uh, and, and I don't find that that, that that very helpful. I think at the end of the day, we are on this earth together, and we have to make things work between ourselves. We have to make sure that uh, there's no violence, that there's no killing, there's no extermination of one another and of, uh, of, of the environment in which we live. And uh, whatever we can use to, to live together and, and, and make sure that uh, the next generation has got something to inherit from us, uh, we should do that. And I think my understanding of this program is that we are saying, what is the role of faith in that, yeah. in that project, mm-hmm. uh, the, the project of, uh, of preserving uh, humanity, of uh, reducing uh, violence and poverty, of, uh, of, of, of giving us hope and meaning uh, in, in, in this difficult world. And I think, I, I think that there is a role uh, for faith in, in, in all of that. Uh, Let's find out what people think on 0891104208. What is that role then? And is faith playing that role uh, of, of assisting us in uh, relation to some of the problems that have already been identified? 0891104208. Ed in Cape Town, good morning. Ed, good morning, hello. Colani. Yeah, hi, go ahead, Ed. Yes, thank you. Um, I think I would like to agree with um, the professor as well the, in terms of um, maybe our interrogation of the, the faith, not just Christian, but all the faith. What, what is the relevance of those in, in, in preservation of um, the humankind? You know, um, I think um, Faisal, um, who just called now and said um, um, uh, religion is just used as a violence to... I, I don't agree with that because um, as people we need to live side by side as Christians, Muslims and all this and try to make enough space for each other, you know. So um, I'm a Christian person, but my my concern when I go to my church has always been um, we need to be relevant to the people around us. Yeah. I don't condone a situation where... Um, um, we have these charismatic uh, uh, um, pastors who drive X5s and X6s, yet the people who come in and do the tidies every Sunday um, stay in shakes and they, they sleep on empty stomach, which is something I always question. And, and in my church, people obviously look at me and think, you know what, um, uh, you've got your political agendas or anything. I'm saying, no, as a church, we need to be relevant to the people around us, to the communities and so on and so on. But having said that, Colana, I think um, um, I, I think there was a, a stage where um, um, a gentleman by the name Dumisan Tebeza, who has come out as a high-profile person and said he's an atheist, 
um, was asked that um, since he is a lawyer or a, um, 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 an advocate, if he goes to court and he has to place his hand on the Bible and say, uh, um, um, I promise to tell the truth and, uh, and God be my witness when he doesn't believe in that, how is that going to work? Right, yeah, no, we're listening. What did he say? What was his answer? Um, his answer, his answer was, um, um, he doesn't. That's that's his way of life. It's it's not really. Uh, um, it's, it's the way they are trained to do that. But in his heart, he doesn't believe what it. He's going to oh, right, all right. So, so it's part, part of the process. Generally, is um, as people, we, we we shouldn't really be putting each other in a situation that says. I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm holy. You are an atheist. You are bad or anything. Let's create space for all of us to live and, okay. and present right. the minute. Let me That's read, let me read some emails. Uh, thank you very much. Let's add in Cape Town. I'll read some emails. Uh, get uh, more calls here. There's one who says, It is an undisputed reality that the majority of our churches have become commercialized. And there are churches which have been reduced into fashion shows. If you do not own a branded suit... You feel ashamed to affiliate with that particular church. Pastors now look up to the church to buy them cars. I feel that the church has lost its reputation. To some preaching, I no longer. Uh, to some preaching is no longer a calling, but rather a career. That's Stanley Mabuza uh, from Pumalanga on email. Another email came through just a short while ago from P Kumalo, Sfiso P Kumalo in Freyhead. I want to know from the pastors there if it is real that devil worshippers have a power to make Christians to sin. I have read so many testimonies where former devil worshippers say they were involved in causing accidents and making pastors and born-again Christians to sin so that they can burn with the devil in hell. The bishop will respond um, in a minute. But also another email, uh, if white people were representatives of God, why did they also champion institutionalized racism and supremacy to the white race? Uh, that's Mr. Boza on the email. Uh, another email, Kosnatim Kwanazi. The problem about churches of today and Christianity of today has adopted the business mega house powers, and people want money and also to enrich themselves and nothing else. Kids go hungry inside churches. I thank you. That's Kosnatim Kwanazi. Quickly, let's go to Mutala in Durban. Mutala? How are you? I'm very uh, well. Thanks for your call. Right. Now, the, there are two basic problems. One, all the prophets were political leaders and they use their scriptures to control and dictate terms and pass laws. Now what has happened, this was deliberately destroyed during the Middle Ages when there was a conflict between the church and, and the leaders are now, the church leaders are only concerned with rituals. They have no political power, that's one. Secondly, all the prophets fought for the poor. Abraham, Moses was sent to liberate the impoverished poor from powerful Pharaoh. And all the, all the prophets said that the wealthy are the main cause of Jesus said it will be more difficult for the rich man to enter the heaven than the, the uh, uh, now go through the eye of a needle. Right? Same with Prophet Muhammad. And in the Quran it says, Whenever I send a messenger, this is what God is saying. The wealthy among the people were the ones that opposed them. Moses was opposed by Pharaoh. The others were all opposed by the rich and powerful who were in control. And this is the thing. We taught the wealthy who crucified, if he was crucified, crucified Jesus. 
So the problem is today the world is controlled by the rich and powerful. They dictate terms. And the religious, those religious leaders who listen to them, do everything as they say, are good. Mm-hmm. Those who don't are bad. All right. Thank you. Motala in Durban. Thank you. Professor, let me bring you in here. Um, a, a couple of my emails and SMSs here are talking about the commercialization of the church. And, and we've heard of stories, and maybe trivializing, but maybe uh, they are true, uh, of, of cash vans collecting money on Sundays in certain churches. Uh, certain churches that bring speed points uh, if you don't have cash on a Sunday. Uh, and it, it's no exaggeration. It happens. Yeah, it does. It does happen, Polani. Uh, I've had uh, <laughs> stories uh, of the same uh, happening. Hmm. Uh, but, Polani, uh, you must remember that uh, uh, speed points are a form of payment. Uh, uh, in and of themselves, they don't add anything new. People were paying anyway. It's just a, a, an extra way of paying. Hmm. Just to make sure that people uh, in, pay. In the church. Yeah. Precisely. It's just uh, to facilitate it. Of course, it is a little shocking uh, because you and I expect uh, the sound of, uh, of, of speed point uh, printing out the slip. Yeah. In a supermarket or, yeah. or a restaurant. And that sound, to have that sound inside of a church uh, must, must be very, very strange. Uh, and, and that's why we're talking about it. Uh, but, but I think the bigger issue you are raising is uh, the whole drive to to collect money and to make the collection of money uh, uh, almost a strategic uh, feature of, of of the existence of of a church. And I and 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 of course there's no denying that churches need money because churches are. Uh, Institutions, all institutions to survive need money. Mm. Uh, but, but, but the, stra- the, the strategic significance of churches is, is bigger, uh, than, than the collection of money. And I think when, when the collection of money becomes the strategy and uh, when the money collected, uh, is then not used in terms of, uh, clearly defined, uh, uh just uh, uh, principles that have been established. If, if, for example, the money is collected and it, it, it's all put in a van, it goes into one person's bank account to go and do with it as they please, uh, then, then, the, the, then there are problems there. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, I think, I think the, there's need for churches to begin to talk about this. Unfortunately or fortunately, many, many churches don't, don't have that much money. Uh, to, to talk about, but the mm. few that you are raising are talking about mm. uh, do have do collect a lot of money, and there are a lot of questions about how that money is used, and not just how it is collected. Sure, let me read one or two emails. Then uh, Bishop Brain, I'm going to come to you. Somebody, TT in Whitbank uh, says churches are supposed to provide an alternative healing to the people who are sick, who can't find uh, cure in medicines, for example, AIDS, cancer, and other diseases that can't be healed medically. Why are your pastors not commenting about this, or do they not believe in it? That's TT in Whitbank. Uh, also, I have a, an, an email from Brade in Port Elizabeth and Motherwell who says, my church, the Assemblies of God, uh, of God via Christianity, is discriminating me and my family because we practice African traditional rituals, such as sacrificing a goat or a cow to appease our ancestors. I will never go there again. I'm looking for a church that's going to accept me. 
with all my beliefs, not just uh, have a church that's forcing their beliefs on me. That is uh, an email from Brodey in Port Elizabeth in Motherwell. Um, final email that I'm going to read here comes from it. Uh, all right, it just I can't. It just what. Let me say it again. I just cannot believe that until today we still have people who do not believe in Jehovah God. God is the creator of all things and he's the only person who can bring about peace in this troubled world. Uh, no matter how sincere and peaceful they are, uh, they can be able to change this world. Only God's kingdom will do that. That uh, email come from, uh, it comes from Tlachelang, um, the email there, which is the last one. Um, Bishop Vrain? At the end of the day, what would you like people to take from, from this discussion, from the season, by the way, which is a cornerstone, as I said, of uh, Christianity? Maybe just two things. The first is, I think that it is illogical to say that because certain members of certain religious organizations behave despicably, that despicable behavior emanates from faith. That is a disconnect. Um, we need to recognize that we're human mm. and that just as an atheist can make mistakes and sin in my language mm. so too let's say the strongest Christian sometimes goes astray and, and makes and mistakes and use the church to collect mm. money as opposed to spreading the word yes let me, let me also however say that I happen to think that one of the most incredible gifts that religion brought to this country in actual fact was based on, on this particular day in some Christian denominations. Um, we've spoken about the Eastern churches not celebrating Easter yeah. this particular Orthodox day. Churches. Mm, the Orthodox churches. And that was the whole issue of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. I'm not saying that the process has been absolutely perfect and mm. that it's complete and that it doesn't it hasn't got flaws but I do want to say that I think it was a central feature of what enabled this country to move from what could have been a, the most appalling confrontation mm. into the engagement of a new democratic future which is where you come in, uh, because yours is really about how we use religion, Christianity, Islam, or any other religion for that matter, in advancing social cohesion. Absolutely. Um, I think um, at the end of the discussion, what, uh, there are a few important points. One is that we need to realize that faith is vulnerable. Um, anyone can actually use or abuse faith for any purpose. You can use faith uh, to mobilize people to do something good. Or you can abuse faith to fit your own agendas. That's important. And uh, to be able to uh, deal with that, we need a strong education. Uh, both uh, at the normal schooling level and also from the faith communities, from the churches, from the mosques. Mm. We need to educate people really to distinguish between uh, what is really coming from the faith itself or what is contaminated with, uh, with other political agendas. And for that, I think uh, the religious communities have a big responsibility to reclaim or the people of faith, let's call it that way, to reclaim their faith and to ensure that there is a, uh, if I can call it this way, a tolerance education mm. which is happening at all institutions, starting from schools to different community institutions and in religious institutions. Because at times, uh, uh, one of the obstacles to, to ensuring social cohesion is that uh, 
the people of faith or the leaders of faith, they want to preserve their community, they want to keep their congregation, and therefore they might resort to uh, talks such as uh, blaming the others and, and elevating their own faith, okay. which is dangerous. And I think that tolerance education is important. It should happen in the churches and the mosques and the synagogues in all faith communities. Fabulous. So we really have got to wrap it up here. Thank you for your time. Aidin Inyal, who's the director of Tokwa's Harmony Institute, thanks indeed for coming through. Also, Bishop Paul Verain, as ever, thank you uh, for coming through and good to see you. Uh, together with Professor Tinyugo Malulega, who's the Deputy Vice Chancellor of the University of Johannesburg on the line for us this morning. Thank you all for your time. I would like to thank the team as well who came through on this uh, Good Friday. Our producers, Tia Misho, Shantale, Tracy Bumgard, Sbongilin Tlapo, Ronald Piri, Tlengi Wemabaso, Senior Producers, Zenat Abdul, and Lungile Mabaso. Technical Producer, Judy Mutupi, Forum, A Producers, Jake Mukoma, and Mandi Samtelu. Executive Producers, Busi Chan and Oprah Sitchi. I'm Gwala wishing you well over the weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Cheers.